Chapter Twelve of Nan Sherwood at Pine Camp. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carmen H. Nan Sherwood at Pine Camp by Annie Rollcar. Chapter Twelve. Home was never like this. The roan ponies dashed through the slab settlement past the blacksmith and view right shop and the ugly red building tom tonan was the school and reached a large sprawling unpainted dwelling on the outskirts of the village there were barns back of the sherwood house there was no fence between the yard and the road the windows of the house stared out upon the passerby blindless and many of them without shades there was such a painful newness about the building that it seemed to nan the carpenters must have just packed their tools and gone while the painters had not yet arrived well here we are announced mr henry sherwood as tom held in the still eager ponies he stepped out and offered nan his hand home again little girl i reckon kate will be mighty glad to see you that she will nan leaped up and began to stamp her feet on the hot snow while uncle henry lifted out the trunk and bags just as the ponies sprang away again a door in the ugly house opened and a tall angular woman looked forth bring her in hen she cried in a high-pitched voice i want to see her nan went rather timidly up the path her aunt was almost as tall as her husband she was very bony and was flat-chested and unlovely in every way that is so it seemed when the homesick girl raised her eyes to aunt kate's face that face was as brown as sole leather and the texture of the skin seemed leathery as well there was a hawk-like nose dominating the unfeminine face the shallows below the cheekbones were deep as though she had suffered the loss of her back molars the eyebrows were straggly the eyes themselves of a pale watery blue the mouth a thin line when her colourless lips were closed and her chin was as square and determined as uncle henry's own as nan approached she saw something else about this unlovely woman on her neck was a great livid scar of her hand's breath and which looked like a scar or burn no attempt was made to conceal this unsightly blemish indeed there was nothing about aunt kate sherwood suggesting a softening of her hard lines her plain ugly print dress was cut low at the throat and had no collar or ruff to hide the scar nan's gaze was fastened on that blemish before she was halfway to the door and she could see nothing else at first the girl fought down a physical shudder when aunt kate's claw-like hands seized her by both shoulders and she stooped to kiss the visitor welcome dear nanny her sharp voice said and nan thought that with ease one might have heard her in the middle of the village but when aunt kate's lips touched the girl's forehead they were warm and soft as velvet her breath was sweet there was a wholesome cleanliness about her person that pleased nan the ugly dress was spotless and beautifully laundered she had a glimpse of the unplastered kitchen and saw a row of copper pots on the shelf over the dresser that were scored to dazzling brightness the boards of the floor were white as milk the big patent range glistened with polish and its nickel work was rubbed till it reflected like a mirror welcome my dear said aunt kate again 
I hope you will be happy while you stay with us. Happy? With Momsey and Papa Sherwood on the ocean, and the little dwelling in amity closed and deserted? Nan feared she would break down and cry. Her Aunt Kate left her to herself a minute just then, that she might overcome this weakness. Uncle Henry came up the path with the bags, smiling broadly. Well, old woman, he said heartily. Well, old man, she returned. And then, suddenly, Nan Sherwood had a new vision. She was used to seeing her pretty mother and her handsome father display their mutual affection. It had not seemed possible that rough, burly Uncle Henry and ugly Aunt Kate could feel the same degree of affection for each other. Uncle Henry dropped the bags. Aunt Kate seemed to be drawn toward him when he put out his hands. Nan saw the lips meet, and then the giant, gently, almost reverently, kissed the horrid scar on Aunt Kate's neck. Here's Nan, cried the big lumberman jovially, the pluckiest and smartest little girl in seven states. Take her in out of the cold, Kate. She's not used to our kind of weather, and I have been watching for the frost flowers to bloom on her pretty face all the way from the fogs. The woman drew Nan into the warm kitchen. Uncle Henry followed in a minute with the trunk. Where I put this box, Kate? he asked. I reckon you've fixed up some cozy place for her. The east room hen, and Kate replied. The sun lies in their mornings. I took the new spring rocker out of the parlor, and with the white enamel bedstead you bought in Chicago, and the maple bureau we got of that furniture peddler, and the best drugget to lay over the carpet, I reckon Nanny has a pretty bedroom. Meanwhile, Nan stared openly around the strange kitchen. The joists and rafters were uncovered by left or plaster. Muslin, that had once been white, was tacked to the beams overhead for a ceiling. The smoke from the cook stove had stained it to a deep brown color above the stove and to a lighter, meerschaum shade in the corners. The furniture was of the rudest, plainest kind, much of it evidently homemade. Uncle Henry was not unhandy with tools. She learned later that he and the boys had practically built the house by themselves. They were finishing it inside as they had time. In some of the rooms, the inside window and door frames were not yet in place. There was an appetizing smell from the pots upon the stove, and the long table was set for dinner. They would not let Nan change from her traveling dress before sitting down to the table. Tom and Rafe came in, and all three men washed at the long wooden sink. Rafe was of slighter build than his brother, and a year or more younger. He was not so shy as Tom, either, and his eyes sparkled with mischief. Nan found that she could not act grown-up with her cousin Rafe. The principal dish for dinner was venison stew, served with vegetables and salt-rising bread. There was cake, too, very heavy and indigestible, and speckled with huckleberries that had been dried the fall previous. Aunt Kate was no fancy cook, but appetite is the best sauce after all, and Nan had her share of that condiment. During the meal, there was not much conversation, save about the wonderful fortune that had fallen to Nan's mother, and the voyage she and her husband were taking to Scotland to secure it. Nan learned, too, that Uncle Henry had telegraphed from Tilbury of Nan's coming to Pinecam, and consequently, Aunt Kate was able to prepare for her and that the good woman had done her best to make a nest for her little niece in the ugly house, Nan was assured. After dinner, 
she insisted upon the girl's going to the east room to change her dress and lie down the comparison between this great chamber and nan's pretty room at home was appalling the room had been plastered but the plaster was of a gray color and unfinished the woodwork was painted a dusty brick red with mineral paint the odd and ugly pieces of furniture horrified nan the drugget on the floor only served to hide a part of the still more atrociously patterned carpet the rocking chair complained if one touched it the top of the huge maple dresser was as bald as one's palm nan sat down on the unopened trunk when her aunt had left her she dabbed her eyes with her handkerchief home certainly was never like this she did not see how she was ever going to be able to stand it End of chapter 12